Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to Love It or Leave It. I'm John Lovett. I'm Travis Helwig. <gasps> wow, who am I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're here because we're going to do a very special end-of-year episode where we take you through some of our favorite moments of 2018 on Love It or Leave It. The year has ended. We made it. We made it. Another year of Trump being president under our belts. A little wiser. A little older. Country's a little stronger. <laughs> it's not. We've learned a lot this year. We learned that there's nobody in Stephen Miller's life who will tell him that uh, you can't put that much hair powder on before you go on Face the Nation. Uh, we learned that... Uh, or at least check the lighting. Like, have similar lighting before you go on somebody, that There is somebody who made a choice, and the choice was to not tell him. Let's see. Uh, Facebook uh, finally learned their lesson. Um, I don't... You know, if you're hearing this the last week of December, uh, Facebook has probably apologized three or more times. Mm-hmm. In the intervening days, we finally discovered that Facebook gave all of our photos to Nazis, uh, who then made a collage <laughs> out of our childhood photos. At Facebook, we take your privacy so seriously, and we really regret uh, handing over all of your uh, sexy direct messages <laughs> to Amazon, with which they could use it to advertise various sex products to you. Um, we also want to wonder- apologize in advance. When you find out just what kind of horrors we did to your secrets to get you those Instagram ads for various <laughs> kinds of pants. It is incredible how accurate my Instagram ads are. I buy so much stuff from Instagram ads. Um, if you're hearing this, it's because uh, we made it to the parts of Travis we edited out. <laughs> <laughs> I produced the show. <laughs> Travis <laughs> produces Love It or Leave It, and um, you've seen him on the HBO show. Mm. That's, those are his credits. <laughs> Look, it was a big year. Ronan Farrow finally faded into obscurity. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> Let's kick it off. Let's start with an okay stop we did in September at the Improv with Kara Brown, Josh Barrow, and Emily Yoshida. Ooh, I like this one. It was a great one. Uh, we talked about Nike's release of a new ad featuring Colin Kaepernick and the reaction on a propaganda network for aging Arizonans called Fox News. <laughs> Some of New Mexico, too. Now it's time for OK Stop. We'll roll a clip, and the panel can say OK Stop at any point to comment. Earlier this week, Nike released an ad featuring Colin Kaepernick and the phrase, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. The bridge trolls over at Fox and Friends, what do you think they thought about it? <laughs> Let's watch. Nike lost some money initially ah, okay, on this. <laughs> There is, there is a stern-looking man in a pinstripe suit, an enormous tie, and I just immediately can't trust him, so I love that he's about to speak. So here's what I think happened. There were two lines into Fox. One was for auditions to play Guy Masterson. Uh, Scott, Sky Masterson. 
uh, in Guys and Dolls. Uh, the other was to be racist on Fox News. <laughs> and at some point, this guy got on the right line. <laughs> and they roll out a 60-second ad. They have LeBron James in it. They have Serena Williams in it and other great players. They talk about dreaming to be being the best. Does Colin Kaepernick belong in that category? No, I absolutely do not think so. In fact, Nike should rename wait, their ad for, you know, Wait, sex. stop. Is, he's, oh, not, good, he's not, good you, you described him. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, you described him earlier as, as stern, but is he not, like, holding back laughter? Oh, yeah, no. Actually, I, I'm, I was wrong about that. As soon as he opened his mouth, he sounds like he's... he's like he is yeah. on the brink of laughter for some reason. What are they? What are they feeding them in the also, green room? Also, who is this? Who is yeah? Who is this man? Is this? They don't even put. They don't have room for his name anymore. He does. He actually does not have a name. Uh, I think it's exciting. It tells you just how hard this fight is for them because you know that this is not the first person they call. <laughs> like this marble mouth weirdo. Like I don't know who it is, but we're gonna find out. I think he has the enormous tie because his neck is as wide as his head and he needs it in order to, to create a sense of proportion. Is, uh, is he an athlete? Do you know who he is? You seem like you look like you knew. Anybody know who this person is? Nobody knows who he is. Any, 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 he's Guy Masterson. Okay. Sacrifice everything, even if it means our stock price, frankly. I think they've swung and missed on this one because I, I think they've... Okay, stop! It says he is a former... Basketball player. <laughs> his name is his name is Brock Gillespie, which sounds made up. Does it, <laughs> does it count if you play at like the YMCA or the LA Fitness? It doesn't say what is, country. Is that what they, they, mean? What they don't say what country. They don't even say professional or amateur. They just say any of us could be a former basketball player. I mean, this player. guy is hundred percent teaching like health classes at a high school somewhere. Oh, it says right pro, now. it says pro. Okay. Well, still, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> They've gone about this the same way I think the folks running the Hillary Clinton campaign did is, you know, <laughs> they've just misassessed middle America. And, you know, this is, again, the elites trying to make up for something that, you know, frankly, Nike has had some lawsuits um, in recent history uh, as okay, far stop. as... <laughs> that phrase is amazing. <laughs> frankly, Nike has had some lawsuits in recent history. <laughs> Yeah. He didn't want to bring it up, but he must be frank. Is he talking about sweatshops? Or what? No, he's not. He's not at all. What is he referring to? I would like to? to say, that I found to be the funniest thing about this when people are like, Nike's never done anything this terrible. They had children making yeah. sneakers in, like, caves. Yeah. They've done worse things than this, guys. Which is also why I'm hesitant to be like, Nike is now the brand of the resistance. The now you get time. the fuck off this yeah. stage. <laughs> <laughs> you get the hell off of here. Look what I got. I put these on. These are Nike shoes. I because you know why? I love my country. <laughs> I really thought about wearing some Nike today. I almost wore a bootleg Nike shirt that I got in Japan because I felt like that was the right statement to send. But I didn't, that's as close as I was going to get to repping the brand. You know, they're trying to swing it back in their favor, but this, like I said, this is not the way to go about it. I mean, and frankly, if they want to make a, an ad about sacrificing, why don't they go all the way? If this is Nike, put Jesus on there. <laughs> this is a situation. Okay, <laughs> Can you imagine that campaign? So I, I think it's worth unpacking that. Yeah. Um, so Frankly. I also like that in the midst of this interview in which he's supposed to be attacking Colin Kaepernick, he's like, 
Colin Kaepernick, he's only 10% of the way to Jesus. <laughs> like, th th think about the meaning of it. It's like, go all the way with it. Someone who's even better at sacrificing for a worthy and noble endeavor. Jesus. Please, God, I hope that we get a Nike commercial. <laughs> with Jesus Christ strolling out of that cave. Yeah. <laughs> The two In sets some of footprints. Fresh ass Air Force Ones. Yeah. yeah. Surprise the haters. Yeah. Just do it. <laughs> Middle fingers up, just ready to go. Just yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes you have to sacrifice your only son. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> this, this just totally out there for Nike. And frankly, for myself, I've lived in 14 countries. Okay, um, stop. Yep. Okay. He does not play basketball in America. <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is one of the best Lithuanian basketball players around. Five continents, and I can tell you, if Colin Kaepernick thinks the United States is a bad place and a very discriminatory nation to live in, then I suggest he get a passport and travel around the globe. And I think he okay, have stop. A <laughs> this is very rude to the 14 countries that hosted yeah. him to play professional basketball. They're way more racist. Yeah, like look at these shitholes where I was sent to play basketball. Also, there, I, I know none of us in here know who this guy is, but there is a bar somewhere in Lithuania where they're all like, "It's Brock Gillespie." Oh no. <laughs> There's like five people with Brock Gillespie jersey be like, I didn't know he was so racist. <laughs> I just love the way he plays the game. Last appreciation for what we stand for here in this country. Ooh. That was a ride. That was great. There was like an arc there. We solved yeah. the mystery at the end. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, do we need to say all the obvious reasons? I don't think so. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick's good, Nike is good. Is that it? Goodish. Yeah. All right. Col yeah. Colin One Kaepernick's good, three, Nike's better than it could be. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Colin Kaepernick is good. Don't put too much stock one way or another into the <laughs> interests of giant multinational corporations that are making decisions based on what's in the interest of their executives and shareholders. Take pride in the fact that we've created enough pressure and a cosmopolitan elite that makes it clear to the executives and employees of Nike that it is better to be on the right side of history. And then ask yourself, how is it possible that we've, as a nation, created a system in which we can create pressure that makes giant self-interested corporations behave responsibly while politicians have seen a total er erosion in any pain or any price to be paid for any form of malfeasance or shamelessness? That's my question. I don't know. Nike well, for president, right? What if corporations were actually better this pe than people this entire time? <laughs> Twist. <laughs> the, the government you would have if politicians cared about the same demographics as consumer product companies would be a much better and different government because the, it's basically completely backwards. You have, you know, they mostly care about younger consumers because they're more, especially an athletic apparel company. Um, that's why, you know, TV ratings are reported as 2554, 1849. Um, consumer trends start in big cities and move out. This is what's driving conservatives crazy about the sort of hegemony that liberals have over increasing aspects of culture, including a lot of the corporate sector, at least in this sort of branding stuff. It's because the, the customers that they're marketing to are disproportionately liberal, and those liberal customers increase 
increasingly care about exactly this sort of signaling. And you get this. I, w- I was on MSNBC a few months ago when Delta was having its spat with the NRA. And remember, the the legislature took away some tax break on jet fuel at the Atlanta airport. And there was some liberal pundit on there basically saying, if Delta wants their tax break, you give them their tax break. And it's like, since when did that become a liberal agenda item? Yeah, it's um, I, yeah. This is part of the problem of trying to fight this war through brands. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think in some ways it is a dystopian future of corporations with rainbow flags during Pride Month underpaying their employees. <laughs> like that is, you know, it's just like, isn't that the present? Yeah. That, no. I right. I'm saying that's the dystopia we live in. That's that's okay. in it. You're right. Yes. That is that is right now. It is it is happy Pride. No benefits. <laughs> I will say, I am happy, not to give Nike too much credit, but I'm really happy that this commercial is going to air at the beginning of like the NFL season because fuck the NFL. So, And, and also, I, I want to make a non-cynical point about it because, uh, sincerely, I do think it's important when a company like Nike, which is a symbol of America, America is, you know, <laughs> America is a lot of things, but one of it is the culture we create. And Nike is a big part of the culture we create. And it is important that the companies that symbolize America, that represent America, that we interact with every single day are on the right side of these issues. We can pretend it's not important, but one lesson of Trump is we need to look around and say, what are the things that speak for America and what are they saying? And Nike does speak for us, like it or not. And I think it's a really good thing that they looked at this issue and they didn't want to be on the wrong side of it and regret having missed their chance to do the right thing. So I actually do you think it's a really good thing. That's all. Um, all right. When we come back, we have a very special dramatic reading. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. And we're back. Wow. What a dream that was. What an okay stop. We listened to the whole thing together, and we really <laughs> loved it. Shut up, Travis. <laughs> All right. Now let's go to one of our favorite segments of the year. Mandy Moore and Taylor Goldsmith stopped by to do a dramatic reading, playing the roles of their lives mm-hmm. as Kellyanne Conway and George Conway, uh, after the Washington Post ran a story in which Kellyanne Conway uh, insulted her husband on background, and then the journalist claimed that uh, they hadn't agreed to those terms. And so, uh, quite a marriage. I think we did maybe 17 Kellyanne Conway and George Conway segments this year. <laughs> we really loved it. Um, look, they are... Who's them all in this scenario? <laughs> all right. She's the people's princess. Kellyanne Conway. Now let's go to this dramatic reading starring Mandy Moore and Taylor Goldsmith playing Kellyanne Conway, the people's princess, and her husband, George. Kellyanne Conway has given her reputation to Donald Trump and said, do whatever. Her husband, (laughs) her husband George Conway is a vocal critic of Donald Trump. To illustrate this dichotomy, we thought we'd do a dramatic reading. Here to play the role of George Conway is the lead singer of the band Dawes, Taylor Goldsmith. And to play Kellyanne Conway, please welcome Mandy Moore. Taylor, how are you doing? Pretty good. Mandy, how are you? I'm well, thanks. I'm so excited that we have, as a couple, you guys, you guys strong? 
<laughs> well, Conway's strong. It's, it's strong in what sense? Stronger, th- stronger, stronger than, than Kellyanne and George. Yeah. Yeah. God, I hope so. You guys ready? It's a lot of pressure. Sure. What follows is a series of real statements that have been said publicly by husband and wife George and Kellyanne Conway. Let's begin. European leaders do not think Trump is a stable genius. What could possibly make them think that? And tweet. I feel like there's a part of him, my husband, that thinks I chose Donald Trump over him. The charge that Trump's campaign and his charitable foundation violated federal campaign finance laws are obviously very serious allegations, and they should be referred to the United States Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. I think it's disrespectful. I think it disrespects his wife. High misdemeanors encompass breaches of the duties of loyalty, good faith, and care, and of the obligations to follow the law and constitution. Nobody knows who I am because of my husband. People know of my husband because of me. Trump is having a meltdown. Retweet. (laughs) Allies fear Trump isn't ready for gathering legal storm. Retweet. Donald Trump, the pariah president, and retweet. It is disrespectful. It's a violation of basic decency, certainly, if not marital vows, but quote me as a person familiar with their relationship. No, we're on the record here. You cannot say after the fact as someone familiar. I told you everything about his tweets was off the record. No, that's not true. That never happened. (laughs) Well, shit. And now... What follows is a lightly fictionalized account of what that night must have been like after (laughs) that article posted. Kellyanne waits nervously. The door opens. George enters. She cannot read him. Hi, honey. George puts his briefcase down but doesn't say anything. So, how was your day? It was fine. Did you happen to see the Washington Post? Oh, did that story run? Yes. And listen, I was totally... Because sources familiar with George's thinking say he's fucking pissed. (laughs) Oh. Okay, you saw it. Yes, I saw it. I'm on Twitter, remember? You know, Twitter, the place where I called my wife's boss a tyrant. And I love that about you. How you go online and just casually imply your wife is destroying America. I never implied that. Well, on the Destroy America team. Yes, I did imply that. That's fair. You're good. I win arguments for a living. But it's also your passion, you devious woman. Don't flirt with me. What if I do, you liar? Don't call me a liar. (laughs) You never answer a question. That's not fair. But it's not because the answer would hurt Trump. Why? Why won't I answer a question? Because the answer would horrify you. And why is that? Because you're evil. Shut up and kiss your evil wife. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) And scene, guys, give it up. For Mandy Moore and Taylor Goldsmith, that was amazing. Thank you so much. That was so funny. (laughs) One more time for Mandy and Taylor. When we come back, we'll play a game. Hey, 
Don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now for a game, we were joined by Christine Duke, Gonzalo Cordova, and Emily Axford. We read some of the earliest tweets from some of Twitter's worst people. Not Kevin Hart. <laughs> no, we did not. <laughs> we, another thing we learned this year is that Kevin Hart doesn't know how to delete homophobic replies. We could have broken that one right open. So we didn't get Kevin Hart in there, but we did get some other early tweets from some of your favorite people to dislike on Twitter. And an audience member had to guess, you know, and it was pretty good. I liked it. Pretty good. It's the best of episode. Sell yourself, motherfucker. Let's go to the game. Early tweet gets the fifth. This just in, there's a new trend sweeping the nation. All the teens are doing it. It's called digging up old tweets. (laughs) It's like a fidget spinner, but it can destroy careers. (laughs) From James Gunn to Sarah Jiang to President Donald Trump, everyone's old tweets are coming back to haunt them. So we decided to do some digging of our own in a game we're calling Early Tweet Gets the Fave. <laughs> Would anyone out there like to play the game? <laughs> What's your name? Mike. Mike. Good to see you, Mike. Good to see you. Are you familiar with Twitter? Oh, yeah. Are you fam- I follow you. Oh, cool. <laughs> Mike, here's how it works. I'm going to read an old tweet from a famous public figure, and you have to guess who wrote it. It's as simple as sending a tweet instead of a DM and then pretending you were hacked. (laughs) All right. Number one, in 2013, which future presidential primary candidate tweeted, I'm just learning how to tweet. It's cool, but it's not brain surgery. Hashtag, hashtag. Ben Carson. (laughs) Correct. In 2014, which Iowa senator tweeted, Windsor Heights Dairy Queen is a good place for you know what? Uh, He's 81 years old. He chairs the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, You can smoke his last name. Oh, Chuck Grassley. You got it. (laughs) In 2008, which NRA spokesperson tweeted, I has wine, buzz blogging commenceth? (laughs) Is that Dana Lorsch? Dana Lorsch, yeah, you got it. (laughs) Which Florida senator tweeted, one week until Tudor's season three on Showtime? That's that gotta King be Henry Rubio. VIII was one wild and crazy guy. Imagine if they had TMZ back in those days. Is it Rubio? It is Rubio. Whoa. <laughs> Number five, in which 2008 presidential candidate tweeted, Snooky, you are right. I would never tax your tanning bed. Pres Obama tax spend policy is quite the situation. Chris Christie. Nope. He, I'll give you a hint. That's uh, John McCain. You didn't get it. Number uh. six. In 2009, this attorney general tweeted, we are excited to announce Twitter. Stay tuned for our YouTube and website updates. (laughs) He's a current attorney general. Oh, Jeff Sessions. Yep. Uh, Who tweeted in 2012, everyone knows I am right that Robert Pattinson should dump Kristen Stewart. In a couple of years, he will thank me. Be smart, Robert. Mr. Donald Trump. Yep, that's right. (laughs) Which Trump confidant started his Twitter with the following? Okay, followers, I am now on. Time to let your friends know and follow me. He recently flipped on Trump. Michael Cohen. Got it. (laughs) 
This speaker of the house tweeted in 2009, entering the brave new world of Twitter, what the heck is this anyway? <laughs> Paul Ryan? Yep. <laughs> Mike, you've won the game. Guys, give it up for Mike. Parachute gift card for Mike. When we come back, we'll play a game. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. And we're back. Wow. What a I, game that was. You know what my favorite part was? The jokes I wrote. <laughs> we wrote. We wrote. <laughs> this wasn't a mistake. Let's go to another game. <laughs> we went to Philadelphia, and we were joined by Ezra Miller and his band, Sons of an Illustrious Father. We played a game focused on corporate consolidation with the, I think, most elegant title in the history of love. Hemingway-esque. Hemingway-esque. <laughs> Let's go to our second game of the show. Not trust-busting is unjust, and gutsy mistrust of the upper crust is a must. Didn't write that one. For this next segment, let's welcome back to the stage the greatest band of all time, sons of an illustrious father. Lila, Josh, and Ezra, thank you so much. So, look, you guys were pretty clear. Your writer says you won't play unless you can play a game about corporate consolidation. Uh, pretty That's why we don't play any other show. <laughs> So tonight we're gonna we're gonna fulfill your op that that demand that you had in a game we call okay here we go not trust busting is unjust and gutsy mistrust of the upper crust is a must. It's catchy. Smash the selfish shellfish in their shiny shimmery shells. Exactly, that was. I think cool. it's equivalent. <laughs> uh, just so you know, the alternate title was Monopoly Money. Uh, which would have been better, probably, or easier, anyway. Uh, since 2008, there have been more than $10 trillion in mergers. We've seen consolidations throughout the economy. In fact, the number of publicly traded companies in the U.S. has declined by half. Many point to this concentration as one of the key drivers of soaring corporate profits combined with wage stagnation, higher consumer prices, and economic inequality. Um, so we're going to play a game that looks at this. Uh, the goal will be to figure out just how consolidated our economy has become. Would anyone out there like to play? So here's how it's going to work. Uh, Josh and Lila are going to be a team. And hi, what's your name? Jenny. Jenny? Yes. You and Ezra are going to be a team. Hi, Ezra. And basically what's going to happen is I'm going to describe an area of corporate dominance. Uh, Lila and Josh, you guys are, are together. Ezra and... Jenny. Jenny. Unbelievable. Like Forrest Gump, Jenny. Jenny. I know. I, where do I go, Travis, when they say the name? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> It's a uh, Price is Right style game. It is closest without going over, and you've got to go in increments of five or more. You can go as high as you want, but it's got to be a five. So, like, you can guess 50. If Ezra and Jenny guess 50, you can guess 70, but you have to guess 55 to 70. You know what I mean? You, gotta, you can't go up by one at a time. You can't sneak in with that $1 bet. 
that people do. Those shifty people sometimes do. Where someone says, I think the dinette's $500. Someone's like, I think the dinette's $1. It's like, you shifty bastards. Me, I do that. Yeah. Is that your move? Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Have you been on The prices Right? No. No. <laughs> okay. So, Jenny and Ezra, are you guys ready? We're ready. Yes, we're, we're ready. so ready. Absolutely. We've been connecting from Yes, mind meld right here. All right, I'm going to start with you guys, and we'll go back and forth. We've seen a spate of mergers in the airline industry in recent years. In fact, four airlines now sell a huge proportion of domestic airline seats in the United States. What is that share? Reminder, you're going to guess a percentage in increments of five or more. Are we talking about, like, the evil science fiction ones? Like, the Star Alliance and... Yes. The One World Alliance. Yes. <laughs> That's those, my those favorite. Those are the same. Those be- they are evil sounding as groups. The Star Alliance. We're with the Rebel Alliance. <laughs> we have no planes. <laughs> yeah, the Rebel Alliance, though, you don't get a lot of free upgrades. Jenny, stop stalling. It's all me. It's all my fault, what everybody. What percentage <laughs> of airline seats are controlled by just four airlines? All right, Ezra. What do you guys think? What do we think? 80. 80? I'm 80. Guys, that's it. It's 80. You don't even get a guess. They were right off the top. Jenny and Ezra, perfect team. Lila and Josh, get your fucking shit together. Question number two, we'll start with Lila and Josh. After a series of mergers and acquisitions, two companies, Anheuser-Busch, InBev, and Miller Coors, have come to sell this share of beer in the United States. 75. Sorry, sorry. That's wrong. You went over. It's 70%. Uh. Ezra and Jenny get another question. They did it. They didn't even have to answer. Lila, I want you to know that we all saw what happened. (laughs) Thank you, John. Got it. Question number three. Google and Facebook have come to dominate digital advertising online. What share of the digital market is controlled by these two companies? 70? <laughs> Their first guess is 70. 70. Remember the rule. 80. Uh, it was 75%. Myla! Ezra and Jenny have gotten three... Four, four. It is your final chance, but good news for Josh and Lila. This question is for the win. Oh, that's <laughs> games work. It's your chance to even Super the field. Super Okay, all right. Catch up. All right, question number four. Comcast, Charter, Cox, and Altus are the biggest cable companies in the U.S. Comcast originally tried to take over Time Warner, but that deal was stopped in part because of antitrust fears. Then Charter made the same acquisition, changing their brand name to Spectrum, you know and Xfinity. It's like, yeah, the name was the problem. Come on. So these four companies control what share of cable broadband in the U.S.? Josh and Lila, kick it off. (laughs) Sorry, we're just uh, having a little conference. Jenny and I already know. The answer. Yeah, well, you guys have a beautiful psychic connection, and Josh and I have never met. <laughs> Look, Lila, if you don't get this right, no one will blame you. Uh, everybody knows who the weak link on your team is. It's hard to say, but it's the world. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's the way it is sometimes. 55? 55. You say it. 
You say it. 60. We say 50. Well, you have to go above because it's not 60. Oh, it's right. not 60. Yeah, you have to go above. Well, oh, it's more. We, we go, we go more. 60, <laughs> 60, 65, 60, 70. Should we be bold? Say 70. I hear a murmur, I think, from the 70, hissers. 80. 90. 90. Trust the hissers. I think I do, actually. Weirdly. 90. Right now, we're going to say 90. <laughs> Thank you, hissers. They got it. It is 90. <laughs> oh, man. That is disgusting. Yes, uh, nearly half of all households in the U.S. have no choice in wired broadband. Either they have no access at all or mostly are served by just one of these companies. Ezra and Jenny, you've won the game. Jenny, you've gotten the gift card. Lila and Josh uh, in a very tough close second place. Um, I just want to say, so you guys have a new album coming out, right? And I have the name right here. It says... Deus Sex Machina, colon, or, comma, moving slowly beyond Nikola Tesla. That's Rolls right. off the tongue, does it not? And it comes out June Just 1st. like our band name. I lo- Sons of an illustrious father is cool. You're on the fence about it. It's a little it ro- long. It rolls off the tongue. It just rolls for a long time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you guys are going on tour in June, and you can head to sonsofanillustriousfather.com to learn more about that. But uh, guys, give it up for Sons of an Illustrious Father for playing. When we come back, the rail wheel. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. And we're back. All right, now it is time for the rant wheel. We wanted to pull some of our favorite rants from 2018. You guys sent us a bunch of suggestions. So up first, you're going to hear the food pyramid rant. It started on another topic. How it got there, I'm not totally sure. It wasn't a rant. Actually, now that I think about it, it was just in the middle of the show and we're putting it in the (laughs) rant wheel segment. So basically, at some point in February, (laughs) I lost my mind and you're about to hear it. It was a great episode with Sashir Zamata, Adam Conover, and Francesca Fiorentini. It was apparently about Trump and McDonald's and it went off the rails. Take a listen. It's because of the middle bread in the uh, Big Mac. Oh, yeah. It was the middle bread in the Big Mac, which shouldn't exist. Yeah. But you know what? Let's just go to the rant. I'd rather just summarize it for people now. (laughs) Can we talk about McDonald's condiments? Can I yes. talk about something about the Big Mac that has never made any sense to me whatsoever? The bread in the middle? What the fuck is the bread in the middle? It makes no sense. What is it? It's awful. That's the whole point of the Big Mac. No. 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 I want the two patties. I want the two patties. <laughs> I want two patties. What is that bread in the middle? It's filler. It's middle bread. It's awful. Have we learned nothing from the food pyramid? Get that bread out of there. Get the bread food out of there. pyramid was a lie. You know what? I want to talk about this for one second. (laughs) I specifically want to talk about the only good period of time in history. And it was a two-year period after the release of the food pyramid before they realized it made America gain collectively a trillion pounds. Because there was a two-year period where the president and the first lady and and the, the surgeon general and other surgeons and the whole doctors and Richard Simmons and all of them were saying, 
remember to get your six servings of bread <laughs> because it's healthy now. And so I remember there was this, it was one beautiful year. And I remember like being over at a friend's house and we were having like tuna salad. And, I, and these parents are at, the, uh, are at the counter just like dancing. So please, like we're on a diet and just like putting pasta into their bowls. Being like, we can't eat that tuna salad. We're on a diet pasta. That was cool. It was at one time where that was possible. They put bread on the bottom of the pyramid. <laughs> what? That's crazy. It was really crazy. It was wild. It doesn't get enough coverage. It really <laughs> doesn't. It's a crazy thing. The entire medical community, the FDA, this is everybody. The, this is the real Watergate, y'all. They got together and they said, make sure you get six <laughs> potatoes. <laughs> Every day. day. And no one was held accountable. No <laughs> one paid a price for that. America gained a trillion pounds. It's true. <laughs> oh, fruits true. and vegetables, two or three if you're lucky. Six slices of bread. Potato. That's what you need to be healthy. Six to ten. <laughs> oh, are you trying to be healthy? Did you have... 10 potatoes? Are you crazy? Doctors went on television. They went to schools. They put it up on the wall at schools for five years. No one ever apologized. They just replaced it. They just put another poster over it and pretended it didn't happen. Six to 10 potatoes. What the fuck? How did the no it's accountability? Do you, it's also, a do you remember? Do you remember the second pyramid? Do you know the second pyramid they made? I don't know. I the new pyramid lost. was drawn where you have to imagine a pyramid, but instead of the lines being across, they came down from the top. So no one builds a fucking pyramid that way. You couldn't figure out how what what is okay. So there's a 13 degree angle of fruit. <laughs> And a 17-degree angle yeah, of vegetables. You, you got to make sure you get a cosine of meat every day. Then, <laughs> yes, exactly. And then they had a guy climbing the side of the pyramid to represent that you should exercise. And it was like, I was like, look, I know this is probably better for health, but as a piece of visual design, it's very confusing. Want to know what, John? What? That pyramid's coming back under Trump. Mark my words. Yeah, oh, that's true. I'm surprised he didn't Want mention the, the State pyramid. of the Union. All right, he's bringing back welding and the food pyramid. <laughs> he won't bring back the pyramid, though, because it's, like, in Africa. and he just, <laughs> He's like, nothing related right. to Africa will be in my country. You're gonna it's from a shit country. <laughs> Get it out. <laughs> You're going to say that now. Three years from now, we're going to be giving him his Trump pyramid to get him to allow some children to get health care or something. I'm yeah, not too real. Too real. <laughs> we're going to build a Trump pyramid in the deserts of Oklahoma, in the, in the fields of Oklahoma to get approval for Medicare. That's like going to happen. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right, let's go to a second rant. In August, Aquafina, Ira Madison III, and Emily Heller stopped by. Emily got... Very excited about a story she read about a shark being stolen. And uh, it was one of our favorites, so let's listen. It has landed yes. on shark thieves. I know it's an odd phrase, but Emily's going to tell us about it. Yes, I turned this into the rave wheel. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> okay, we're gonna have a conversation about officially changing it to the rant and rave wheel. Yes. It's kind of cool. Please. Rant and rave. Okay. So, okay, and you know, I could rant and rave about this. It's a complicated, nuanced story with a lot of emotional highs and lows. Uh, these guys went to an aquarium in Texas, uh, and in that area where you can like pet the fish and like reach into the tanks, they just stole a shark <laughs> by netting it and then putting it in a baby stroller and walking out of there like it was their baby and getting in a pickup truck and like managers of the aquarium ran after them doing a thing they've never had to do before which is be like hey bring that shark back here and I'm a little un unclear on the sequence of events, but eventually they like they caught the guys, they got the shark back, they like went to their house and got a confession. And at the guy's house... They were caught shark-handed. <laughs> shark-handed, yeah. Uh, at the guy's house, he had built like a pretty big aquarium for the shark to be in that they thought another shark had lived in at some point. So... Okay, a lot of theories here. A lot of competing theories, like, is he starting a competing aquarium that he's going to charge money for? Is he just, like, holding that? Like, what? I like to think he was shark-sitting for someone, and that shark died. Died, yeah. And he's trying to do a switcheroo before they come back to town. And he had no idea where else to get one. I like to imagine it was like a vertigo situation. <laughs> and his shark died. And yeah. he was going to turn this other shark into the shark that he lost. Yeah. I mean... Oh, that's, that's almost sweet. Of, <laughs> here's the thing. In terms of things you could see in a baby stroller that's not a baby... <laughs> I actually think shark is less scary than one of those, like, real doll baby dolls. Those, like, hyper-realistic ones that people want. Like, if I looked in and there wasn't a baby there, I'd rather it be a shark than one of those. But I don't know. I love Emily's rants. They're always like, a spider got stuck, <laughs> yeah. stuck in a bank. A woman married a ghost. <laughs> All right, for our next rant, in January, we were in the Moore Theater in Seattle. Ijeoma, Oluo, Lindy West, Akila Hughes joined. It was a great episode. Ijeoma talked about the cultural reckoning uh, in the wake of Me Too allegations, and uh, we thought it was worth listening, so check it out. I mean, I love the fact that, like, seven dudes lost their job, and we're calling it a reckoning. <laughs> like, it's coming down. <laughs> yeah, like, very slowly, the smallest little, like, ice pick. Yeah. But we're getting there. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the biggest <laughs> problems to face half of our population for hundreds of years. But you know what? Seven dudes lost their job, and they got slandered exactly. on Twitter. Calm down, okay? You guys are getting crazy. Like, this would make a really horrible historical biopic. Like, a hundred years from now, it'll be like, the time they were all insulted on Twitter. It changed the world. This isn't a reckoning yet. Um, I want it to be one. But that's going to take fundamental changes. We're going to have to get past the point of just talking about individuals and what they're doing and talking about what is the society we have been doing to encourage this behavior to get to this point where it has to be so egregious that you have dudes with 25 years of literally sexually assaulting women over and over again in public when you're like, too far, sir, too far. <laughs> <laughs> A reckoning 
A reckoning's gonna hurt a lot more than this. It's gonna hurt a lot more than finding out that you can't watch House of Cards anymore. A reckoning <laughs> is where you're gonna find out that people that you love and respect have also been participating in this and you probably have as well. And you hold yourself accountable, you hold your institutions accountable, your workplaces accountable, and you make fundamental changes to how we think about women, how we think about bodily autonomy, and how we value the work of marginalized populations to say that, no, you know what? We will not hold on to one dude because we think he's more valuable than the 20 women that he's forced out of the office. Yeah. All right, everybody, next rant. We were at the Improv with Alice Wetterland, Jess morales Roqueto, and Kirby Howell-Baptiste. My parents happened to be in the audience, and I reflected on a, a poignant memory. A poignant memory of my father taking me to a family restaurant. <laughs> Bennigan's. It was not Bennigan's. It has landed on millennials killing Hooters. <laughs> Fake news. And I want to end it on this one. There's been a lot of stories about millennials killing things. They're killing the, the certain kinds of restaurants. They're killing the diamond industry because they don't have money. They're killing this. They're killing that. I think it's okay that millennials are killing Hooters. <laughs> I debated this. And it's a true coincidence that this happens to be on the, the board. My parents are here tonight. Robert Lovett, do you remember when I was maybe 13 or 14 and you took me to Hooters? Guess what? It didn't work. <laughs> and I sat at that table and remember, it's a high top table. And given my size as a 13-year-old, which is proportional to my size as a 36-year-old, <laughs> I remember where my eyeline was, and it was Hooters height. And I remember sitting there in silence, and I remember turning to you and saying, I want to leave. <laughs> Did he post, like, a really bad TBT picture of you? Like, this is, like, this is... This and is like then a we went to White Castle... And we ate in silence. So, R.I.P. Hooters. And R.I.P. to all the wonderful experiences of dads taking their soon-to-be gay sons to fucking Hooters. And finally, for our last rant, we went to Portland. All right, it was in the middle of winter when a lot of people were getting sick. We actually cut it from the show. I don't even know why we did that. I don't know. I was sick at the time, and it was my second week, and I'm pretty sure you were just mad at me. Everybody who was sick at the office thought this was directed at them personally, but actually, they're all wrong. It was about Tanya. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's go to our final rant. Okay, this is a good place to leave it. I want to talk about being sick at the office. This is actually two rants. Quick. Rant number one. There's a flu epidemic going on right now, Okay. An epidemic. It is not like so ballsy to show up at work and be like, I power through because I'm the kind of, I drink orange juice and a placebo like something with vitamin C in it and I'm like, I'm fine. I take an Advil, you know. You show up at work and you're sick, fuck you, okay? <laughs> Don't show up at sick work. 
If you have a job with paid sick leave and you can work at home, you work at home. If you wake up aching with a fever, don't go to the office and see how it goes. You're going to give people the fucking flu. You going is about proving you're the kind of person who powers through. It's not about being a team player. It's about you, and it's a weird performance, and people shouldn't go to work sick. It's bullshit. It's treated like, oh, yeah, what a tough person. Fuck you. Go home. You are a contagious thing. Your mucous membranes don't know how much you care about your work. They don't give a shit. All they want is to get to other people. Uh, People, now, here's the second thing. That person shouted, I have to pay my bills. And that's the second part of my rant, which is the United States is one of the only countries in the world that doesn't require paid sick leave. And so when you see a map, it's never covered this way. We never cover cause and effect. When you, we never talk about the system. When you see a map that shows every fucking state blood red with the flu, remember that at least a third of the people in those states, except for the seven states that require uh, sick leave, and who knows what's going on with part-time work, very few people, especially hourly work, they can't. Oregon is one of them, terrific. Awesome, awesome. But for the 43 other states out there where they don't require it, People have to go to work sick, and it causes the flu to spread. And so when you see that red map, remember, we are the only, I believe the only, if not one of the only, uh, industrialized nations in the world that doesn't provide paid sick leave, that doesn't require it for full-time people, and it gets us all fucking sick every fucking February. And it's ridiculous. There are people that have to go to work sick every day, and it's bad for them, it's bad for us, it hurts all of us, And uh, it sucks. All right. That's our rear review. Thank you guys so much for listening. I've discovered some of my favorite writers and comedians because of the guests we've had on that show. Actually, Mukta has done such an incredible job over the past two years turning Love It or Leave It into a place where you can hear new and interesting and diverse voices that you can't hear in other places, which has, I think, made the show much stronger. Plus, we have Travis, and that was a lateral move, but it's still, <laughs> still great. Thank you all for listening. I want to thank all the people that work so hard on the show. We already heard plenty from Travis, uh, but, and I also mentioned Mukta, but Elisa worked so hard in this. Tanya, Lee, Barack, Michelle, Jesse, incredible writers, Yoni and Emily, Siobhan, Kevin Hart, Peter. We have great people helping produce the show. Rich and Bill, week after week, Tiffany, Barron, Elijah, Nar, Megan, Viva. I mean, I could, I could go all day, Travis. Uh, and I just want to say thank you to you, to John Lovett for bringing us all joy and happiness all right, in enough, our lives. Enough. Uh, End of episode. His, there needs to be music right now. His music. performance was louder, my gift. louder. It was my gift. Make it even louder. And it was an honor to End do work for you. This episode with music <laughs> and not this. <laughs> Twitter and Instagram at Travis Helwig. <laughs> leave this, Bill, leave this in. I'll give you extra money if you leave this in. Bye. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. 
Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.